Hey, this is Brian McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on alscoop.com. Welcome back to The Scoop. This is Season 6, Episode 29. I'm John DiCarlo. Sam Cohn and Sam Newman are with me again. Kyle Gauss off this week. What turns out to be the Eric Dickerson episode. We could go old school with Rod Carew episode. I mean, those are just some we're old... In the, we're in the obscure numbers phase. Like, once we get yeah. to, like, the mid-30s, I think we'll kind of be back or like even 30 we'll get back and do like a wheelhouse of normal numbers but the high 20s are obscure numbers yeah when i was making the script i was like i can't even think of 29s we'll we'll let john fire off some names i mean dickerson eric dickerson's a big one rod crew is a big one but modern number 29s uh, i'm sure there are some i'm just not it's not really not really i mean i could probably think of oh like some obscure mets and jets players who wore 29s but not anybody that our listener is going are going to know I mean, you know, we we could have we could have a huge jets fan base that listens to us the north the north jersey metroplex you know believe leon washington wore 29 that that's my obscure jets player earl thomas earl thomas where's 29 i guess he does DeMar- demarco murray well Sam Cohen definitely not googling this stuff as we say. No, these no, I think all, just, yeah, Sam's definitely just these looking. are all off the top of my head, all off the dome, <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, you have to go deep into Beltran. the filing cabinet up upstairs. <laughs> Eagles got Demarco Murray on the back end of his uh, on the back. Last end one, John Smoltz. Kyle would uh, from what Kyle were here to to hear that one. John Smoltz, big one. Anyway, uh, in addition to rifling through famous number twenty nines. Uh, we have an interview for you this week with Temple linebacker George Reed, one of the guys that's going to need to be a key contributor, and I would imagine a, a likely starter. Again, on defense, he emerged in what turned out to be a, obviously a disappointing, hectic one and six season for the Owls in 2020 that was full of injuries, COVID absences, and all sorts of interesting stuff. So we will be talking to him soon. We've got some mailbag questions for you as well on the football and basketball related side. I thought I had closed out messages and I had, and I'm still getting pings on my MacBook here. So I apologize for the, the, the audio there. Um, anyway, how are you guys doing in general? Otherwise, other than Sam Cohn getting super annoyed by me getting text <laughs> messages here. I love making faces when you guys just make on have your computers make unnecessary noises, but I'm okay. It's like pouring rain. So it's kind of like a glum day. But other than that, eh, I'm all right. Hanging in there. I'm like Eeyore. It's raining. <laughs> Jeez, poo. <laughs> Will it ever stop raining? Probably not. Well, the pouring rain got me out of working tonight, so that's nice. Um, I'm doing all right. Uh, I've, I've been better. I, I was in New Jersey this weekend. Um, parents came and visited. I think we talked about that. Yes, exactly. North Jersey is, is not anything to write home about. Sam making uh, faces about that on screen. Um, didn't, you do, didn't you do like a food tour of sorts? Like with No, we, we didn't do a food tour. We just went to the sandwich shop on uh, South Street, Woodrow's. Mm-hmm. Great, great cheesesteaks. They had like truffle whiz. Ooh. Insane. Great stuff. Truffle whiz. Yeah. House made. Good stuff. I'm not like big on whiz, but it, it this was great. Trouble whiz. Sam Sam Cohn, would you eat 
a steak and cheese with, uh, <laughs> with, with truffle whiz. I wasn't going to say it just on the record. I did not say it first. Um, I'm not a whiz guy, but if Sam says he's not a whiz guy and he liked it, then I would probably try it. But I've never been, a, I'd never liked whiz. I'm a provolone guy. Yeah, no, I, I'm not a whiz guy either, but it's like house made and it's like truffle. So it's like, might as well try it. It was great. Sounds like um, it has potential. Other than that, you know, uh, Monday, is that, yeah, which was earlier this week, not exactly a great day in, in my household. Um, I run with Apple products came to an end again. Oh, not an end, but um, I spilled water all over my, my four-year-old MacBook that I got when I was a senior in high, high oh, school. Wow. Now I'm a senior in college. Um, and it, it went, and it went bye-bye. Uh, so new, new laptop is, is on its way. I'm using my, one of my roommates, old Macs, which is very fortunate enough that he has one that I can use, but uh, yeah, not, not exactly a great start to the week here. In, uh, and Sam, in, I have, yeah. I have, <laughs> I have I one more say the of... human household, but I was like, wait, I can't say that because I'm not actually at home. I have one more piece of good news before we get into temple stuff. Love, love good news. Give, hit us with some good news. Yes, please. Both my parents are now fully vaxxed. There you my go. dad just, my dad just got his yesterday. Oh, so so both fully That's vaxxed. great. Look at the Sams and the parents being fully vaxxed. Let's go. Ooh. That's good. Great stuff. It's good. Good stuff. We're, we're, I like good news. We need, we need some, some good news. Yeah. Uh, after we had uh, some, we had some bad news before that. Just, you called Sam Eeyore, and then I had my laptop. So we we had to uh, <laughs> we had to make it a little bit uplifting before we get over to the George Reed interview, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, speaking of George Reed, uh, yeah, George actually is a uh, graduate student now. Already got his degree. Um, last season broke out a little bit. Twenty four tackles, uh, four and a half tackles for a loss, a sack. Kind of really broke out in that USF game, and then you know was one of the players that could not play. Uh, against ECU at the end of the season. We'll, we'll talk to him about that, how crazy that was, and um, just about more so than anything, what the team's approach is. Again, I know all of you as fans, you know, want to know what the mood of the team is like. We start off all of these interviews asking the player that we're talking to what it's like, because again, around Christmas, holiday season, a lot of guys left in the portal. We know who they lost, players like Arnold Ebiketti, uh, Ifan Maje, Anthony Russo, and, uh, of course, they've gained some players in the portal as well. So we talked to George about that, talked to him a little bit about uh, what he likes to do off the field as well. So uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy this interview here with Temple linebacker George Reed. All right, so in a matter of less than a week, the Temple football program is going to kick off spring practice. I know we've all been looking forward to it, hoping for uh, a season that's uh, much closer to normal than than what the team experienced in, in 2020 and here to uh, talk ab- about spring ball and, and a whole lot more is Temple linebacker George Reed kind enough to join us on the scoop this week George thanks for joining us how you doing yeah, I'm doing good how about yourself good good thanks for, for making time for us George first question for you we've kind of been leading off every Temple football interview this way you know that the the offseason's been hectic and the fans from the outside looking in they look at you know, you guys losing some players in the portal, gaining some people in the portal. And then when, you know, experienced guys like, like Arnold Ebicchetti leave, Ifan Maje and uh, Anthony Russo, so on and so forth. People want to know what the mood of the program is like from the outside looking in. Um, you're one of the guys that, one of the many guys that stuck around. Um, what would you say to a fan base that's wondering like, hey, what, what's it like? Were there issues with the coaching staff, all this stuff? 
Uh, what's the mood of the team like right now? You know, I would say the mood of the team is last year was last year, and now we're on to this year. Like, we wiped last year, slate clean. Everybody's coming back. Everybody who wants to be here is here. Like, no disregard to anybody who left, but whoever – like, everybody who's here wants to be here. So, like, we feel good about this group of group going. We have some uh, really good workouts. So, we're really fired up for this season, and especially spring ball coming up. George, you were – as a follow-up to that, I mean, you – you weren't recruited by Rod Carey and his staff. And, you know, you, you, you flashed a little bit last year. Any player was free to kind of, you know, poke around in the portal and say, I don't know, is the grass greener on the other side? It might sound like a simple question, but what made you stick around? What made you want to stay at Temple? Uh, just because I'm a loyal type of dude. I've been that way since high school. I, like, as you can see, I, I've committed under Matt Rule. Yeah. He wasn't here when I got here. I was here under Collins. I was here for Manny Diaz short stint. I've been here now with Coach Carey for what three years now. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just a loyal type of dude. I I didn't commit to any certain coach. I committed to Temple, so that's why I'm still here. What is what is he like as a head coach? You know, some of the guys like have described him as like a a player's coach, and um, you know, I think you know when he came in from from the Midwest. You know, like Matt was more of an East Coast guy. Jeff was from the South. The program seen all sorts of different personalities. What's Rod Carey like as a head coach? What's your relationship like with him? Just like you said, he's a player's type of guy. I can go to him and ask him questions. Like me and him always are joking around, messing around. Like he's really a personal guy when you really get to know him and sit down and talk to him. Mm -hmm. I, you guys, obviously, like I said, we're a few days away from from spring ball, but um Heading into it, and you guys get to spend some time together in the offseason. I know things are still kind of limited. We're not completely back to normal yet. But do you get a handle on who some of the new leaders are in the, in the program on and off the field? Would you consider yourself to be one of those guys? Yeah, I would consider myself to be uh, a leader on this team. Uh, you know, some dudes like uh, Amir, Will, Blue, like dudes, Randall, dudes from last year, of course, they're still going to be leaders, but at, like with like the new workouts and stuff, you can see like younger dudes. I can talk for my position group specifically, like you've seen more growth in the younger dudes than before, because a lot of them have experience now. So a lot of them can correct you or correct someone who who, quote unquote, is older than them and has more experience than them and like guide them into the right direction. Who are some of those younger guys that you're seeing that are starting to to step up because I know sometimes well, I'll interview somebody and a player will say you know what uh, it wasn't even so much of anything that I saw him do in the weight room or making him play in practice I just had a conversation with the guy and the guy gets it now or the kid gets it now anybody that's kind of like catching your eye that's kind of surprised you even before we had in the spring ball before we even had in the spring ball like uh dudes like Vondi, Rigby, Jordan McGee, Kobe those those three specifically has stuck out and just showed showed me a lot of what they can do and like how they can lead this team going on in the future. Hey, George, um, just asking you, you know, this past season was, you know, really unlike any other, especially for yourself. I mean, you saw significant playing time and became one of the senior more players uh, on the, on the defense to see the field. What, what can you tell us about what the 2020 season was like for your perspective and, and kind of what you learned about yourself as a player? Uh, it was definitely eye opening because before then, I haven't really played as much. So, and when I played on defense in high school, I only played safety. So it was it was a a huge adjustment. Uh, just coming from 
playing uh, during practice and then actually in the game, having to see different uh, formations, new things that they haven't put on film yet. So, I mean, it was it was a learning process. And I just feel like uh, throughout the season, I've, I've tried to get better each game and hopefully I can turn it up this year. George, I remember you told me back in like November that you were a bit hesitant to make that switch to linebacker. Do you, do you feel comfortable in that role? Where do you think you can make your biggest improvements from last season? Uh, just being more comfortable with uh, like my fits and everything, just using my hands more, being more vocal to my other linebacker, Will, on my other side, like just being able to feel like make it more natural for me out there and just be fluid. George, can you take us through that South Florida game? I mean, you were able to make a pretty significant impact in your guys' only win of the season. It was your first time essentially seeing a starter's share of the snaps after IGM went down with an injury. What was that like for you just from an emotional and a mental standpoint, especially when you're thrown into the fire like that? Uh, to be honest, I, I, I was ready all fall camp to go in, so – uh, to go into Navy and not see a, a lot of playing time. Like I took some self-reflection, looked back and was like, all right, I really like, if my chance comes, I really have to show what I could do. So, I mean, IGM, his, unfortunately his ankle started hurting. And then I knew that I probably would be seeing a lot of playing time. So I just was focused uh, focused on what I learned for throughout the week and just try to uh, execute all my plays. George, the- 2020 reached its kind of peak craziness for you guys in that ECU game. And you were, you were one of five players and uh, four defensive starters that, that had to be removed from the game before it even started. And I, I think from the outside looking in, everybody felt really bad for you guys because, you know, there were some people who thought, should they even be playing this game? And, and the team went on and played. Take us just, if you can, whatever you're comfortable talking about from the outside looking in, what was it like to be in that situation? I imagine it had to be probably the weirdest thing you've ever gone through as a football player and really really just tough to go through that. Yeah, so, I mean, going through it, it was just – it was like – to put it in simplest form, it's just like football. It's a sudden to change. Something happens. Dudes who weren't really prepared throughout the week had to suddenly get prepared and just be focused for the game. I mean – it didn't go the way we, we wanted to, but it did help a lot of growth throughout the team and help a lot of pl- uh, people further their careers. Because I remember when I was a freshman or a redshirt freshman, we weren't seeing uh, hardly any snaps except for a couple of guys. So that experience for them just just helps them later on. What's it like? I mean, do they just – were you not even able to be with the team? Again, you were one of the guys that couldn't play. Were they literally coming around and saying, okay – Arnold, you're out. George, you can't. You guys can't play. I mean, how? There's sudden change, and then there's just like literally at a moment's notice, some of the best players on the team can't play. What? What's that? What's that like? I mean, that's that's. You know, I think a sudden change. It's like oh, a guy goes down due to an injury in the middle of the game. This was just. This was just stuff that that almost isn't fair to deal with. How was it scary? I mean, what was it like just being around the team? If you had to describe that that moment. Yeah, the whole because I mean, COVID is scary in itself. So the whole thing when it was like you can't play, it was like dang, and you were also around these guys. So it's like, man, I don't even know what's going on. Like I don't know if we're still gonna play the game. Hopefully, like do other dudes don't get sick. Like it was just it was really bizarre. 
George, just following up with that, what's it like to be mentally prepared to go in and go play you know, probably, you know, significant snaps, one of the final games of the season, and then just automatically, like, you can't play? Like, what's that like from, like, a mental standpoint? Um, it was very frustrating, I could say, because I, I felt like we had a very good game plan going into the week. And then just to get to the game and then not be able to play, it was very, it was very frustrating. But, you know, things happen in life. You got to learn from uh, things and just move on from it. George, you return to a linebacker room that's kind of a mix of old and new. Uh, it has an interesting outlook for the 2021 season. You know, there's veteran guys like yourself, Lo Quanku and Abby Isaacs returning the fold, but also you have some young faces who showed a lot in a limited time, like Kobe Wilson, Jordan McKee, uh, Vandy Rigby, and I know coaches have talked about guys like Mahim McCargo, Quantel Reigns, DJ Woodbury. Uh, what, what are your expectations for, you know, the linebacker room, maybe some of the Bubos as well this coming season, and, and what role do you kind of expect to play in all of that? Uh, I expect a lot out of the group. I mean, I we've done worked out for I don't know how long we've been going, but you can see like dudes are really pushing it this year, pushing it because it like that experience part played a factor for not just the young dudes, but for the old guys because now it's like the young guys can't feel like uh, they're being held back because they didn't play. So now they have experience, and now it's just comp- uh, forcing a competition between all of us. So everybody's competing to to place, but I really feel good about this group coming in. I noticed just looking at the roster today that there's only three players listed as Bubos, and it appears that there's more linebackers. Do you think that just the coaching staff just feels better about some of those guys at linebackers? Does it add more competition to, you know, the room? Um, I feel like like the dudes who are at linebacker supposed to be at linebacker and the dudes who are at Bubo are supposed to be. So like, I feel like if need be like the linebackers room is going to definitely like excel, but if some dude needs to be pushed over to the Bubo room to make them compete more, I feel like that will happen. And, you know, talking, talking about the defensive hold, Jeff Knowles happens to be your defense coordinator and linebackers coach, uh, linebackers coach. What's your relationship like just working closely with him? Um, me and him have a funny relationship. We always uh, are messing around, and I'm always joking with him. But at the same time, it's all business when we get out on the field. So he corrects me. I correct him if he happens to mess up, but very slim. But it's just a very good relationship. Like I said, through this whole COVID season has really, like, grown everybody's relationship with each other because, like, Will's coming, even Will, like me, myself, and Will, Will is coming back for another year. So it just creates our bond even stronger. And just your relationship with him. Can you kind of take us through what those exit interviews look like at the end of the season? Anything like speaking with him, like you particularly liked what you did this past season, what do you want to do to improve upon coming into, you know, spring ball in the 2021 season? I mean, this year we didn't really, like I usually self critique myself a lot. So, but this year we really didn't have one because of the COVID situation, but like I, I usually go in there, ask him what I could do. Like if my gap, if I'm in the gap right, if what I, what techniques I could use. Like I just always uh, picking his brain to find out what I can do better to better myself on the field. George, maybe a simple question, but what can you do to take a step forward in 2021? Whether that be spring ball in a week or looking ahead a couple months down the line to the season. Um, just playing faster. Uh, cause like I said, last year I was kind of hesitant. I 
was trying to get my footing and really fill out the position. But now that I have, like, I have no excuse now. I have, I got to play fast. Like I have to know what I'm doing. I have to be able to hold other uh, teammates accountable too. So I just playing fast and just knowing what I have to do out there. Can you walk us through like the X's and O's of how you prepare yourself to play faster, whether that be mentally or physically, like how, how that's something you prepare to do or you work on doing? It's uh, just like a lot of just looking at the plays, understanding what dudes can do what. Uh, like this offseason, I've been not even uh, – not just only talking to Coach Nose, but I've been talking to Coach Yelp to see, like, what I could do on the back end, like, in pass coverage-wise and what I can be looking at other than just fits and gaps stuff. George, I, I know that I think I, there was stuff on us on social media, and I think some of the coaches have talked about – the wristbands that guys have for like signifying that they're all in and yeah, you got it on right there for people who are listening. Um, could you take fans into like what those conversations are like? I mean, did, was there like a team meeting? Was it like, I mean, did, did the coaches get everyone together and say, look, we want to know who's all in. If you're all in, we're with, you know, you're with us. If you want to hit the portal, whatever, like, can you kind of take us through those conversations? What that, what that was like? Cause I imagine like he, he got everyone together at some point and was kind of trying to gauge things. Yeah, so um, basically when we got back, it was, you know, everybody was, like, scared because everybody was hitting the portal and everything, like, and I wouldn't say scared, but everybody was like, okay, everybody's eyes was open, so it was, like, more so if you guys want to be here, let it be known that you want to be here. Like, you can see coaches tweet out 100% and 100% out, like, if you want to be here, be here. If you don't, then don't be here then, and it was just simple as that. Did you like, did you like that approach? Because again, it's obviously transferring isn't a new thing, but the craziness of the portal is definitely a new thing. And it's hit some, you know, some programs harder than others. And again, you guys are are benefiting from that. You're getting some, some good players on, on both sides of the ball that could fit key roles, but going through that as a, as a player, when you looked at the the approach that the coaches took, did you like that with the wristbands and kind of just being honest and saying, look, if you want to be here, great. If not, you know, Oh, of course. I, I loved it. Um, it show it really shows like who cares about what you got going on, because if you're out there playing and you got to do that 75 percent in, well, somebody else has to pick up that 25 percent and that 20, that extra 25 percent could end up ultimately getting somebody hurt. So I like the fact that he came out and was straightforward with us and was like, if you want to be 100 percent in, be 100 percent in. If you don't, then don't be here because you can't go out on Saturdays and play and not trust to do next to you because you don't know if he wants to be here or if he want if he's trying to look at other things like, no, we need to be present in the moment and we need to be focused on what we have in front of us. How do you guys um, kind of you, you, at the beginning of the interview, you said we got to have to put last year in the past. And um, obviously there were, you know, you guys started off healthy, although you started off the season late and then it's like, once it, once it got hectic, it got hectic. There were the COVID absences. There were, you know, significant injuries on, on both sides of the ball. And you look at that record at the end of the year and say, oh, one in six. Temple hasn't been one in six in, in a, or it hasn't not one in six. Hasn't, Temple hasn't been a one win team in a long time. How do you guys kind of look at it and say, OK, we know that we dealt with some stuff that we don't normally deal with, but also one win's not acceptable. Do you guys kind of 
have that in the right perspective? Do you kind of have a chip on your shoulder to say, this is never happening to us again? Yeah, definitely. And to go on the whole one six thing, yes, I, I know we were one six, the record looked bad, but when you actually sit down, break down the field, it was only a couple plays that really hurt us. So like we were for most of the majority of the, uh, of the games, we were in almost all of them. Like there was not, uh, a game where we came in and we just flat out just like let them run all over us or just we couldn't move the ball like we were in a lot of those games and unfortunately things didn't go our way but like that's what film study is for so we are going to the film looking at what mistakes were made what plays could have been better just like as a whole unit we're just like self-evaluating and just trying to prepare for next year I know again we haven't you haven't gotten into spring ball yet but maybe even just being around some guys take, take us into like maybe some guys that you're looking forward to seeing on offense on the other side of the ball, obviously, any way you slice it, you guys are going to have a new quarterback. Anthony Russo moved on as a, as a transfer to Michigan state. So it could be Dwan Mathis. It could be Real Mitchell. It could be someone like Mariano Valente. You're going to have a new starting quarterback. What do you know of that group? And maybe any, any guys on offense? I mean, you know, Jaden Blue, you know, Randall, maybe any anybody that you're looking forward to seeing on offense that's kind of popped out at you during the offseason? Um, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that QB battle. Uh, just because those, those like, I, I've talked to both of them dudes, and I, I know they're really smart dudes, and they're both competitors. Um, the running back room, I'm definitely looking forward to that because, you know, as a linebacker, me, we go against each other every day, so we we want to see who's best out there, and uh, from the receiver room, definitely want to see like a couple of young dudes spread out. Like you said, they're dudes like uh, Randall and Blue are well known, but some of the dudes like Jordan Smith, Ronnie, uh, Jose, like who are gonna see more playing time now that BMAC has uh, went on to the NFL. So there's gonna be dudes competing for spots, and I just feel like. Um, there's a lot of jobs to be won during the spring and of course in the fall, but I'm definitely looking forward to a lot of them to uh, show what they can, they've been working on throughout this off season. You mentioned that you talked to, to the Dwan Mathis and obviously the fan base looks at it and maybe some of the players look at it and say, wow, this guy was, this guy was a big time recruit. And, you know, he was, he started George's opener. He's an sec level type of player. He's coming to temple. What, again, maybe you haven't been around him too much, but, what has your impression been of him? What's it like when you meet a guy who transferred in from a power five program and had like this high profile vibe around him? What, what's that been like just getting to know him a little bit? Um, at the end of the day, everything is just football and people are people. So when you try to base things off of what group of football he played for, it's just at the end of the day, he's playing football. So I try not to really base things off of where dudes come from. I try to base it off of how you conduct yourself. And they've been conduct. Dewan specifically has been conducting himself in a, uh, in a well, like leader uh, mentality. And I certainly showed it throughout the uh, off season. Is that even a thing for you guys anymore? Because again, I mean, Temple's got more than 25 guys in the league right now, linebackers that you've played with guys on both sides of the ball are in the league right now. I would imagine at this point, maybe I'm wrong, that you guys don't even look at it that way. You've beaten Maryland. You've beaten Penn State in the past. You know, does Temple even look like if a guy transferred in from a Power 5 program, it doesn't sound like there's this vibe of like, well, they're no different than us. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they have to prove themselves to everybody who's in that facility. So it's not like they're coming in and it's like, wow, he just came from the SEC. He still has to prove it to everybody on the team that he can play football. So I don't feel like there's a big aura around dudes that came from like well-known schools or even if the dude comes up from a low low school. Like I just feel like if you can play, you can play. If you can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. George, what's what's something that people would not know about you? We like to ask our, our podcast guests that because once the season gets going and whether you're doing these interviews over Zoom or, or in person, you know, once the season gets going, you start getting asked, players get asked a lot of the, the typical questions. But is there something that, that you like to do outside of football that you don't typically get the chance to talk about? Or is there something about you that, that fans wouldn't know outside of football? Um, I don't know. We went to Top Golf recently mm-hmm. and I kind of had some fun. So I might look into that. But <laughs> other than that, I'm probably. Uh, I'm a big movie guy, so like I like watching a lot of movies. I'm not. Don't ask me about any time old time movies though. I'm just current, current right now. So Wait, what's it? What's an old time movie though? What do you consider to be an old time movie? Ah, uh, you're about. To make, you're about I don't to watch old time movies, so I wouldn't know. To, you're about to make me feel old, aren't you? You guys are all younger. You and Sam and Sam are are younger guys. I'm in my. I'm in my. 40s now i don't what's what's old time like like 50s and 60s or like is the 80s old time to you i feel like more like 50s and 60s all right okay yeah that's old time stuff that's old time stuff you know what one other thing i wanted to ask you about before we get to this mailbag question you were one of the players that went to you got to go to rome a couple years ago right uh before we did that and i also like to listen to uh, r&b music i'm a huge r&b guy but like um, what kind of r&b stuff huh what kind of R&B stuff do you like? R, like, uh, just like R&B and soul. So a lot of like things that come on, like I'm a dude who can sit down and listen to like some Anita Baker. Oh, that's good stuff. There we go. Yeah, so yeah, that's um, just a dude that likes to chill. I have chill, like a lot of chill vibes. But and and to answer your question, I actually didn't go to Rome. I went to Japan. Oh, you went to Japan? Okay. Well, what was what was Japan like? Japan was awesome. I would definitely go again. I tell I tell my parents all the time that we need to go, but they don't want to take that flight. So that's a long flight. Yeah, um, it was like 18 hours, something like that. George, we have one mailbag question for you here from one of our um, one of our Al Scoop subscribers. It's a screen name. The screen name's Temple J. Uh, the question is, what is what is the team feel this year? Is it uh, like the feel or the vibe of the team? Is it we're in this together or is it us against the world? Uh, we're definitely in this together. Like we're we're definitely taking it on as well. Yeah, I think we're like we're in this together because you know, with, like the COVID season and everything, like rules changing from here to there. Like I definitely think we're in a we're in this together type of thing, and like that, like you know, we're gonna get through this like pat rough patch and turn it up this year. George Reed. Again, joining us from the Temple Football Program, a, a key contributor, certainly a likely starter for the team this year. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get the chance to talk to you again during spring ball and certainly through the, throughout the season. Yep, no problem. All right, so there you have George Reed, Temple linebacker, key player on the defense. Uh, what'd you guys think? Sam Newman, we'll start with you. I think George gave a, a good job of like giving a, a 
pretty much like a temperature check of, of the program, if you will. Um, I feel like we we've heard from CJ Perez. We've heard we heard from Amir Tyler, I think around. I don't know when we did, but I think it was around like Christmas time, maybe maybe a little bit before. And then, you know, we talked to David and Mark Robinson, but George gave, a you know, as an honest and fair perspective of, you know, how things have been with, with spring ball on the cusp. I, I think he kind of put it interesting from a standpoint of like, I don't think we really thought about this. So, you know, guys being on the field what if the guy next to you is 75% in and then somebody else has to account for that other 25%. And then he says, well, then it becomes a safety issue because somebody's not all like in, like, do, do they have your back on the field? So that was interesting. Cause I don't think any, I don't think any of us really saw it like that. I just think we thought of it as a mental thing and not necessarily like a, a physical thing. And, you know, for, for that, um, it was just interesting to hear that, especially considering the circumstances. And I think, honestly, we, we're going to expect George to see, probably see a role that um, fans might not expect to see just because of the emergence of like guys like Kobe Wilson and, and Jordan Reed, but or not Jordan Reed, Jordan McGee. Um, I, I would be surprised if he's not starting at, at, at Will Backer. I, I know they'll probably mix and match like the, the uh, defensive line, but George looks to play like an integral role and maybe even, you know, earn a single digit. So. I'll second what Sam said. I thought that, uh, well, I, Sam, well put, that it was kind of like a temperature check on where the program is at. I think that was a really good way of putting it. it just because you got a, a feel for kind of how things are in so many different layers of the team in terms of personnel, in terms of culture, things of that nature. Um, the other thing I want to add, and this isn't a necessarily groundbreaking reaction-wise, but I always find it so interesting to hear these guys talk about that uh, that ECU game at the end of the year because it was one of those things that just does like just doesn't happen ever. And it's the it's a once in a it's a once in a generation it's a once in a century kind of thing that could happen in the world, and how it played into sports and just hearing George Reed as one of those guys that wasn't able to play that game because of being contact traced due to COVID and you know they had a handful of starters that weren't able to play that game here just hearing guys talk about that game and he, kind of going into the hearing them take you into that moment of what it was like to be yanked and he was he said something along the lines of at the end of the day it's just like football it's like you're making adjustments which I think we can all say pretty confidently that that was not just like football, but to hear him use that as an analogy, I thought was interesting. Just, it's just like any other thing he's making adjustments and that's something they, they do well and they have to, they have to adapt to and they have to cope with. I know we've talked about this time and time after again, but I can't imagine being mentally prepared to play a game and then just being told that you can't go in your contact. Like that's absurd. And even like we've seen like just happen with in the tournament with VCU and Oregon, at least VCU was given like four hours notice or whatever. These guys were, I think, I don't even know if we know the timeline, but it sounded like 20, like 10, 15 minutes before kickoff. So I, it was interesting to hear George side of that, especially because I don't think we've heard from the perspective of, of the players who were contact traced. Cause I believe it was Nate Wyatt, Arnold Lee and, and Christian Braswell. I don't know the others. Yeah, and, and important guys, to, to, to say the least, who are out. And again, a loss is a loss, but is, is ECU that much better than, than Temple? Are they even better than Temple in that situation? I, you know, I, don't, I don't know that they are, but the whole season, as we know by now, it's an old story, was uh, you know, in, incredibly odd, incredibly trying for them. Uh, as George said, they're, they're really kind of really trying to wipe the slate clean put the season behind them. I think a guy like George is as cliche as hell as this sounds really is good. I mean, again, he's a guy who will play and will contribute. will likely start. He's not a, uh, he's not just a, a culture guy, but 
I think he is good for the culture of the program right now, because again, he's one of those guys that can say, look, yeah, I was, I was recruited by Matt rule. Never got to play for Matt rule played for Jeff Collins, you know, was around when the Manny Diaz thing happened. And, uh, and then has, has stuck around for Rod Carey and his staff and, you know, said what some other players have said and saying, look, I'm a loyal guy. I committed to the school just as much as anything else. I think it helps to have a guy like that stick around. Obviously, if you have a guy like Arnold and McKetty stick around, it certainly helps your program, but he's a guy who really is, I think your true definition of a, of a developmental guy who, you know, didn't flash right away when he got to temple, but step by step by step has progressed to a role where, you know, they maybe don't win that USF game without him. You know, again, obviously you can throw a few players into the mix there, but they might've been an 0-7 team instead of a 1-6 team uh, without George Reed. And as a guy who, again, has his degree now, and kind of look around and say, yeah, I, I didn't go anywhere. And I also thought it was interesting that he said he liked the way the coaches handled the whole deal, the whole vibe of, of talking to the guys who were around and saying, okay, if you want to be in, if you want to stay here, let it be known, let us know you're committed. I, I don't know how many other ways you can do it once you lose that many guys to the portal. So um, some good insight there, you know, into the coaching staff as well. He's got good musical taste. I would imagine that, that you guys maybe don't listen to Anita Baker as much as George Reed and I do, but we're old souls. He's an old soul. I'm glad old. So I'm glad you and George Reed can have something in common. You guys maybe can John and George grab Reed. a grab. A, Sorry. I'm here. Go. <laughs> you guys just grab a drink. Listen Listen to some R&B and some old soul music. Just hang old out. School, old school R&B has influenced pretty much everything you guys listen to now. So don't. I was going to say that everything you can share Spotify playlist. We do. We need to. If if the scoop is available on several different platforms, wherever to use the cliche phrase, wherever you access your podcasts, including <laughs> Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I think I've said it before. We should all make our own. Maybe, maybe quarterly, maybe once a month, have our own Spotify playlist, maybe 10 songs, talk about what we're listening to. I'm for it. Who's to say that's I, not a good idea? I think we should make a combined Owl Scoop, like Spotify playlist, and we just update it okay. like, for each season. New segment, Song of the Week. What are Sam and Sam and John listening to? Sam, Sam, you're just going to go with Oasis every week. It's not going to be that much yeah, different. That could, that could throw <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> I some people off They're like there's a lot of oasis okay no my my music taste goes beyond that i there but i i do am very partial to oasis as, as we know that's like that's like saying my movie taste goes beyond back to the future like you're just lying <laughs> but yeah, people could see that like that's a oasis those could be some john DeCarlo picks john DeCarlo was in high school in the mid 90s maybe he's an oasis guy it's like well am i yes but no maybe people don't know that that's that's a that's the, the heavy hand of Sam Newman right there putting a lot of <laughs> we talked about Oasis a thousand times on this podcast before. So yeah, if you're a loyal scoop listener, you know that the 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 heavy presence of, of Oasis in a in a you know that Sam Cohn loves Back to the Future and that Sam Newman loves Oasis. Yes. You don't have to know much else about us, just those two things, right? Yeah. Those are the only important things. I'm all for I'm all for Spotify playlist. I'm 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 in. We could talk about new stuff we're listening to, old stuff. And we could include picks from, like, we could include some George Reed picks. Because we've had, we, we have these Temple football, or we have, I guess, any player interviews, they, they, some of them, like, talk about some music they like. So we could throw in some, some player picks, too. Yeah, we could. Add, like, every week a player adds a song to the, 
to the Al Scoop playlist. Just creating content out of thin air right here. Look at us. I know. I know. Anything new that you guys are listening to that you like or no? That's a great question. New that I'm listening. To. One thing I've gotten worse at as I've like when I was in high school, uh, I guess probably early college, I was much better at finding new music. And I always used to kind of be in this like, not a competition, but a little bit with like my friends of finding music. Now I'm just too lazy. and I don't have time to like look at any music. So I'm going to yeah. go with no, I don't have anything. I don't have any good new stuff. I'm with you. Yeah. On that. I, it's not that I'll listen to new stuff. It's that I'll listen to branch out beyond Oasis. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, speaking of 90s bands, I've been listening to a lot of Sublime and Nirvana lately. Some some Coldplay and the Killers mixed into there. Um, some some rap. We, we got some old school rap in there too as well. But uh, I, I don't, I haven't explored any new music lately. Like what? Like Biggie and Tupac? Yes. Um Dr. Dre. Hello, no. Cool J. Yeah. You guys are just like, just taking me down memory lane here. That's the whole point of the scoop. That's why we started. I thought that's why this podcast was started in the first place. Really? <laughs> and then it branched off into Tubble basketball and football. We, no, the whole fucking hour and a half podcast, we go down memory lane for like 60 minutes of it. And then the rest of the 30 is like, oh, here's an interview with a Temple player. Yeah. Yeah. That's the formula. <laughs> that's the formula we use. All right, so before we get to the mailbag, the remaining mailbag questions this week, and thank you to all of you who did submit questions this week, uh, a couple of names to throw out you uh, on our alscoop.com message boards. Uh, obviously, a big topic of conversation right now is the transfer portal. Right now, Temple just has one scholarship available if there's no other roster movement. And you heard Jimmy Fennerty a couple of weeks ago here on the scoop say that they will look to pursue a big with that last spot, they know they need some size, be it a rebounder, rim protector, score, just a little bit of everything. A uh, couple names to to throw out to you uh, that we've seen out there, just kind of poking around, talking to people, potentially some names to keep an eye on. Uh, one, and again, some of you who visit our site probably, you know, see or hear chatter about this. Uh, potentially someone to keep an eye on is Nasir Brooks, originally a Philly native, played at Cincinnati, played at Miami. Uh, this past season, uh, seven foot, 240 pound center, uh, would obviously help them he actually played pretty well, uh, down the stretch. Um, ultimately averaged 7.4 points, 5.8 rebounds, uh, shot better than 51%, uh, from the field, um, in the, uh, ACC tournament lost, uh, in the Miami's lost Georgia tech. He had 19 points and six rebounds in that game. So, uh, would obviously be, you know, an upgrade there, a big bump for them. Again, we don't know how far along that is, but there's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, so you got a, a grad transfer there on one end, and then at the other end of the spectrum, in terms of somebody who's much younger, another name to keep an eye on potentially is Emmanuel uh, Akpomo from Wake Forest. Uh, Average just, you know, 1.1 points, 1.7 rebounds a game um, in his season there. Uh, but he's 6'10", 225 pounds. So again, another, another big um, that's been mentioned uh, potentially. So um, again, that's what people want to know about right now more than anything else. So again, you've got players in terms of age and experience levels, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. But those are you know two names that we're hearing right now. Again, how this all goes, we don't know. We might have some more definitive updates for you next week, but I uh, wanted to discuss that before we get into the mailbag. There's not a specific mailbag question this week about uh, specific players in the portal, but 
something that's talked about. So I wanted to pass that along. Do have a few mailbag questions to get to to close out the show here. First one is from Temple22, is the screen name. His question, realistically, when do we expect Temple to be back in the selection conversation as an at-large? March 2023? What do you guys think? Are, are they going to the tournament next year, or we think that this is a two years away type of process for these guys? I think 2023 is a very reasonable expectation for them to be an at-large bid. I think if next year is, I think next year a successful season is fringe at-large bid. And I, I, I anticipate them to be an above 500 team next year. I don't know if they're going to be, I don't anticipate them to be at the top of the conference. I don't anticipate them to be beating teams like SMU and Houston and maybe Memphis, but I anticipate them to be middle of the pack, maybe slightly above like around that five, six, seven, eight spot, I guess like six, probably that six, seven spot in the conference, a successful season puts them on the fringe in the top five of the conference and maybe looking at an at-large, like fringe at-large first four, whatever. But I think 2023 is realistic. Yeah. To piggyback with Sam, I, I think 2023 is a realistic assumption um, at this point, just based on if we're looking at if this plan does indeed work, which I mean, I think there's breadcrumbs to prove that, that they it's looking like it's turning in the right direction. I think it would be premature to, for us to come on here and say, yes, absolutely. Temple's going to be an at-large bid after, you know, winning, I don't, you know, winning, going X amount of games under 500 in my head, I think, you know, being positive, optimistic, I see them as a 500 team or slightly above. I think it, it depends how a lot shakes out. I think, I mean, if you look at the rest of the conference and see there's a lot of mass exodus at, you know, schools like USF and, and Cincinnati, granted that happened at Wichita state and they ended up being the number one seed in the conference tournament and um, playing playing in a playing game. But, um, you know, th- those could end up benefiting Temple within the conference. Obviously, we have to see what their out-of-conference schedule is and that sort of stuff, and we can go on and on about that. But I, I think this is the year where this was the development year where you saw saw the flashes. 2020, uh, 2021 to 2022 is that season where you see, okay, here's the progress. They're ready to make that next step. And then 2023 is like, okay, we're ready to be an at-large bid. I mean, if, if everything is like, it doesn't happen overnight, but if everything goes according to what we think it will, I think 2023 is a fair assumption. Yeah. I'm with you guys. I agree. I mean, if they go to the NCAA tournament next year, that's, I think that's a big jump for Aaron. It really is hard. And you could, like, I think we've said this before, you could say it across the country. It is kind of hard to judge how a lot of programs are going to bounce back after the season. We've seen how erratic and crazy the NCAA tournament has certainly been with all the upsets a lot of the unexpected stuff there. There are a lot of programs that are looking to rebound after this season. If, if Temple's in the NCAA tournament next season, obviously that's always a benchmark. I mean, for the elite of elite programs, you know, it's getting to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, Final Four. If Temple's in the tournament next year, that's obviously terrific. I still think that they're two seasons away. Uh, I think maybe, you know, people don't want to hear this. If they get to, if they get to the NIT next year, I think that's a step in the right direction in my head right now. I can't see them jumping from a five win program to an NCAA tournament team. If they, if they are kudos to Aaron and his staff, I still think that, you know, March, 2023 is more like it. Uh, Next question comes from green street. Al question is since we can't manage our own money and find competent leadership, ouch. Uh, what is the uh, Green Street outcome in hot? What is the expected financial windfall for us since Houston made the final four? Is it anything of significance? Yeah, I mean, every win is, you know, give or take about million, million and a half dollars to the, to the conference. So, hey, Houston 
winning, getting to the final four is a good thing financially for the league. And obviously visibility wise, it's, it's great for the league. Uh, we were talking about our brackets before the, before the podcast started. I, I, I love seeing Houston where they are right now. They've kind of disappointed me in the past in, in terms of uh, their tournament performances. They've been an early exit at times when people maybe thought there was sweet 16 elite 18, but yeah, them being in the final four, again, it's a, it's a program that, not the sole program the temple benchmarks itself against, but um, you know, great thing for them. So yeah. And they're, they're, they're bringing in money as well. Uh, final question here uh, comes from Detroit Al. His question with over a thousand players in the portal, how many are likely to land back on a D one team? <laughs> no idea, but I think the question that Detroit Al is, is getting at and what he's maybe hinting at here is again, like, I think we've talked about this. I think we, probably asked Jimmy about it a couple of weeks ago at some point this has to correct itself just like it does in football. And again, that's not, that's certainly not me saying that players shouldn't have opportunities. If you know, they, they should, if, if we've talked about this a million times before, if coaches can bounce, players should be able to bounce. But yeah, I think that other people have used the analogy of this being a game of musical chairs at some point, the music's going to stop and, and they're going to be only a select few chairs for people and it is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, how many guys overplayed their hands, how many people made, you know, the absolute right move. Um, again, I think it's a, I think it's a successful year for Temple if they don't lose anybody. Well, I shouldn't say, I mean, so they are losing JP Mormon and Dre Perry to the portal. No disrespect to JP and Dre. I don't, I guess you have to consider them as losses, but these guys are free to go somewhere else. I, I don't, I think there's a lot at play there. I think both JP and Dre could have, I hate to put words in their mouth. They might've said, look, I think we can see the writing on the wall. I think Aaron probably wants to know what, you know, the Quincy Adam McCoy's of the world uh, can do um, as of now, so far on March 31st, Temple really has not been hit by the portal uh, with, you know, other teams coming in to, to try to pluck someone like Jeremiah Williams or Damian Dunn. So I think they're in pretty good shape there, but yeah, this is, this has to correct itself at some point uh, because I think some guys are going to be on the outside looking in as early this as this year. So how many are likely to land back on a D one team? No idea, but it's not going to be anywhere near the, you know, the more than thousand players who are in the portal right now. So, uh, but we'll see just like anything else. Um, really appreciate the questions this week. Appreciate George Reed for his time with us on the scoop. Again, hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. We will look to bring you more interviews in the coming weeks as spring ball is now upon us starts next week. So we'll try to bring you as much football content as we can. Of course, we should be getting the, the spring schedule pretty soon in terms of the spring uh, practice schedule, what media availability is going to look like so we can bring content to you. So again, thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, everything you guys do to support the site. And we'll talk to you next week.